0: The Examine Life Podcast discussing society, culture, philosophy to entertain ourselves and perhaps others. All right, so let's. Our topic today is the complexity of the masculine within modernity, and and that does sound super complicated. But as we just were talking about, you know, simply what are men's roles in society? Uh, what is your gift as a man? What can you do that's unique? You know and how do you harness that masculine energy? And for me, I think a lot about it, and I think you know a lot about my experiences as a young man growing up, not knowing how to be a man, not knowing what's socially acceptable, not not knowing you know what's acceptable in the sense of pursuing women, um, and you know like this. Everyone's there's a lot of talk about this um, male toxicity or you know or what's um, what's socially acceptable, right? And I also feel like, and see, and there seems to be a lot of shame associated into what it means to be a man. Men, men simply don't know what it, where the line is or, or basically how to be, how to embrace your masculinity in a way that's um, not only socially acceptable, but productive and, and loving and giving to, to others. So maybe that's a bit of a, a brief introduction, John. Where do you want to take this? What do you want to, what sort of, what do you want to unpack first? Cause there's lots of different topics we can talk about that relate to this.
1: Um, well, yeah. So what I guess I, my question are, do we have some like specific examples of, um, how uh, masculinity has been kind of, uh, I guess, shamed to an extent or, why, where does this feeling of um, shame for our masculinity uh, come from? Like, what is the driving force behind that? It seems like, you know, like the world is pretty much half men and half women. So why, why, do? why is there half of us kind of concerned on our behavior and what you know how we should behave and how to like conceal some of our masculinity in in our current society so that that's something where do you think that comes from like
0: well yeah that's a great question I, I think a lot of it's got to do with our biology right because men tend to be you know we, we tend to have attributes that probably once served us really well like strength and aggression and you know the tendency to be protectors and And violent to, you know, to fight off other men for all sorts of weird and wonderful circumstances, you know, and and also in in a lot of times that men are, um, men, men sexually pursue women in a way that can be can be can be seen as maybe inappropriate or too aggressive. So I think a lot of it starts from um, men sexually pursuing women, and you know maybe. Not and and also this balance of women trying to establish um, equality, which is I I think fair enough, right? But at the same time, like men, it feels like as a young man growing up, it's like you know um, how how eager, how um, how persistent can I be? What's what's socially acceptable? And I think the shame comes from um, a lot of times women maybe feeling. Are they insecure or feeling um, pressured or feeling men doing things that are inappropriate, like like it could be a, a staring, or you know staring or, or whistling or or um, you know just just being too determined, um, you know being too persistent, you know all of that kind of stuff where men are like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should open the car door or if I should let her open the car door or offer to pay or not. Um, I don't know what's appropriate. Right. So I think a lot of it comes from this balance of men trying to find their power of, are they meant to be the, the, the the pursuer. And I want to say really quickly as well, like uh, from my experience, women pursue men too, right. But it's a different game for them, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a different set of communication and it, it can, it can be very fluid, and organic, because if a woman shows interest in that way, the guy can be just like, well, yeah, that's great. (laughs) And, and run with it. Right. Uh, And if he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not interested, which is usually rare um, to, to stop that interaction from progressing. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't really involve the woman being um, insulted or shamed as, as much, I think. So yeah, I think a lot of it comes from sexual, the sexual pursuit of the opposite sex.
1: I like that. It's very interesting. And I think an important, uh, I guess, segue is like, um, that's probably the wrong term, but uh, the topic of being biological. So like, you know, I think that that is one of the things that we, we kind of forget as humans all the time is that we are, and uh, no offense to, you know, people that maybe don't like this, but we are animals, right? And we do have biological tendencies that dr- that drive us to do and perform specific tasks and actions, you know? And so like you're saying, from a biological standpoint, men are, we're naturally aggressive um, by nature. Um, we're aggressive, we're protective, uh, we are sexual, you know? Uh, to the for the most part um and i think that from a biological standpoint that men actually want to be able to control something to an extent you know like in a life of like we're all in subservitude to something or someone i feel like uh biologically men want to have control over his unit you know what i mean because that's the only type of control he can assert and by nature he, he wants to kind of control something, right? Like, it might not be the whole world, but, uh, well, we've seen by kings that that can be the case. But, um, but yeah, like, I, that's, I truly believe there's a biological underpinning of this that exists within us. And it's been, you know, back to, like, society and humans is that we tend to forget that these things are real. They are biological. It's written in our DNA. It's written in our bones, you know? And... And it's sad to shame that, but, but you see all the time like people consider themselves better than any other species. The, you know they better than all animals, smarter than all animals, but we just have really complex uh, social structures, you know. So um, yeah, so that's like the biological drive. I think it's innate with all men, you know, to uh, like I said, want to possess something, want to have ownership of something, whether it's their house, uh, their family. But also very important is that biological drive to, to protect the family, right? And that's it's such a beautiful thing that's just been kind of shoved, you know, swept under the carpet and stomped on, you know, like this, this, this needs to be, I don't know, I just this is why I'm passionate about this topic is because we're forgetting that there might be things we don't like with that, that nature, but it served us to this point. That's why we've survived. I think a lot of it, we have to give men a lot of credit for survival, right? Like, I mean, I said this to my wife the other day, uh, that, you know, like, I don't know what our discussion was, (laughs) but basically I was like, yeah, I'd die for you guys in a heartbeat. There would never be a single, like, fear. It would just turn into, like, my natural instincts would take over. And this has happened with me when I was a young kid, and I, and I give it to masculinity. Um, we were in Puerto Rico, my mom and I, and we were we just taking the ferry from uh, old, uh, new San Juan area to old San Juan. It's a fun little ferry. You get off, and obviously it's a cool, like, port um harbor port and it's just charming and beautiful and we're about to go get some snacks in the store and and we see this man with a machete and there's blood on the machete and he's kind of got blood on him and it's a really scary situation you know and i i don't know i didn't even think about it i had no zero thoughts at all and i just stepped in between my mother and the man with machete and there was like my mom still talks about this to this day. She's like, I can't believe like you were you you were willing to fight for me. And I was like, Well, yeah, was I? <laughs> was that me? I don't know, man. I think it was my nature, you know. And so, but I do have these fantasies, you know, and these like what would happen if someone did break into my home with my family here. And I just, it's like fucking Rambo, buddy. It's Rambo. It, it is fearless and it is brutal. And uh, I think that's nature. And I think that's something, it sounds bad, right? Oh, violence! So you can you could stop the burglar with really sweet words. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to risk it. If he's got a weapon, it's just going to go down. And so anyways, that stuff that I don't want to forget about the biology of it, but I, I do attribute it to nature. And so that maybe we can look at masculinity in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, a more, a softer light, you know? Um, so... Um, i guess there could be some problems with that too and misunderstandings as well so Uh, but women have these biological urges too and so like if you look at like the national institute of health and sociologists in the u.s you know you got you the u.s is a huge playing field for sociology right and social psychology and uh sociologists uh have a lot to say about that and they and they will say that men naturally want to reproduce as much as they can gain some sort of po- a possession and that that possession that desire for ownership and for uh, accumulation of resources in men directly comes from what women naturally uh, need which is resources. So it's not sexist. This is just, we're just talking about biology, not social structures right now. Um, But women naturally tend to want a man that can provide resources. And it makes sense. They're vulnerable uh, for nine months. And then when they have the kid, they need someone to help them raise that kid and keep that kid alive. And so I think subconsciously women are very drawn uh, on a biological level to men that are capable of protecting them and providing an abundance of resources for everybody so no one's going hungry so they can do what you know this uh, you know it's such a touchy subject but I was going to I'll just be myself man but what their kind of job is <laughs> is to be <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry ladies and that's to be a mother you know and to take care of the men in your family and the, the, your daughters and your just to take care of your whole family um, but they need resources to be able to do that. And as you see in today's world, we can't do that. Everybody has to work. So now we've like f- just broken apart this atomic family. And I think there's a lot of confusion now, but I do believe in equality for, well, not just gender, but everyone. Um, um, but I think there's a conflict between the, the old and the new, the, the, the old being our biological drives and previous structures, social structures to the current one which is like driven by equality for all, you know, equity and stuff like this. So I kind of went on a tangent, but I don't know. Did I answer any questions? (laughs) 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 Did I even do anything right now? What happened that five, 10 minutes? Sorry. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, I, I think that a lot of those things resonate with me is that, you know, we both have different roles. Women have women have you know, we both have different biology is that men can't have children. So women are blessed or cursed with that role one way or the other, right? They are the ones that carry the child. You know, we haven't got a choice when it comes to that. So in that state, they're vulnerable. So of course, wouldn't they want a man that's going to protect them and then want a stronger, fitter man. That's going to provide them with good genes. That's going to provide, you know, the chances of a healthy baby and reproduction is going to be, uh, it's going to be higher, right? And wouldn't they want a man that shows good leadership, protects, is is, and also is can be caring and um, other attributes that maybe are somewhat more feminine? But you know, at the end of the day, like men, like it's it does sound sexist, but at the end of the day, that if another man was going to come into your territory or your home and take rape, kill your wife or children. The only thing that's stopping that other man is the husband, the, 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 the mate or partner of that woman. And, you know, like it's, it's a huge thing to have a child with someone, right. You know, like, you know, you impregnate somebody or someone you, as a family, you get pregnant and then you, they, a woman carries that child for nine months, you know, and then that's just the beginning of it. Right. So you, you know, like as a man, And I've heard crazy stories, like you are, you know, you are protecting your, you're protecting your offspring, you're protecting your child, and there's something amazingly primitive, primordial about that, where you're protecting your own flesh and blood and and cells and um, a part of you, right? And that's got to mean something, right? And that's got to mean something. So you don't want other men to come in and and you know and and potentially impregnate your wife, like. um, from a pure biological level, like if as men, I think we, we, we primarily, primarily want to reproduce. Right. You know, but I think modern day society is, well, you know, it's, we've, obviously we've evolved from that to finding this balance of, well, we're trying to find this balance, I think, between our biology and, and our drives to reproduce and women to, to care and protect and to nurture. Um, you know, that that work within social structures in a way that's harmonious and and respectful and um, valuable for the community, right? So we don't go around raping at each other and, and fighting and we, we don't go around killing each other and breaking into other, each other's homes, but there's still sexual selection happening. Um, there's still men working and protecting women. There's still these biological urges as, you know, as we walk down the street and, you know, tension between other males perhaps and, and tension between women and females and females. Um, You know, the question is, I think is that, you know, if you're a man and you're a young man, especially, and you want to build connections with women, like how do you, how do you put aside your biology and then work within the social structures to, to, to build meaningful connections with women? So I think that's the next step. We understand that the biology is drastically different, but as a man, how do you manage and how do you manage and mitigate those urges, those really strong sexual urges or urges, you know, that, of aggression? And We have lots of testosterone. How do you mit- mitigate that in a way that's um, way that's productive, respectful, appropriate within modern day society in a way that's um, appropriate, a way that's you know productive so what do you what how what do you think about that john how what, well, yeah
1: what would- like i think yes um like that's a very important question like how do how do how does men how do men and society in general but i would say particularly men control those those urges and desires um and yeah. From a basic standpoint, we, you know, there was a time where we needed to populate the earth and there may be a time again that we do. And, you know, um, um, what was I going to say? But that, like, that worry that uh, I think you mentioned that, that worry that men are concerned with other men possibly coming in and interfering with their life, their, you know, their family, like impregnating their wife, like, control um, it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, actually men are overall, like from a biological standpoint, men are more jealous than women. And this is like, there's a, a, a very um, good reason for this. And that's because, you know, biologically, we know that no matter what that child is hers, but we don't know for sure if it's ours. And I think that this has caused like an inner conflict within men's minds forever. And I think it, it, it's a biological le- level, right? Like if you look at a, bi- a lion's pride, uh, he'll, he'll fight till the death, till loss, any other man trying to enter that circle because those are his, you know, those are his, that's let's just say that that's his wife or his women and they breed his offspring, and they're supposed to be his offspring. But as you know, in a, in a world where the man does often go uh, off to war or he's absent for long periods of time, um, things happen over history and humanity that have made men jealous. You know, you, I mean, there's a lot of funny stories about this. I don't know if you remember me, myself and Irene <laughs> with, with Jim Carrey, you know, but he's such a, a I don't want to use the word weak, but a sensitive unmasculine guy and he just he just believes everything his wife says and uh, he has three you know his wife's um, you know Caucasian like he is but he has three black sons and they're really big black sons <laughs> and it's a great movie it's a comedy but eventually he, he he you know he's in denial he's in denial he doesn't trust his instincts but eventually he finds out the truth uh, the guy you know the other, the other man comes and takes his wife away and this causes him a nervous breakdown so it's called Me, Myself, and Irene. So me is the father, the policeman, the really sweet guy. And myself is the psycho. <laughs> he just becomes, he's just like a man that lost his wig. He just has a nervous breakdown. And he starts doing crazy stuff, like breaking things. And, you know, just a man that's lost his lid would do. He doesn't murder anybody. It's nothing like that, but it's pretty damn hilarious. But my point is, is there's a lot of stories about this because it is, It is a truth. We know 100% that it's hers. Doesn't matter. It's hers. But there is a chance (laughs) that it's not ours. So that's where jealousy comes from. Um, There's a lot of scientific studies on that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you know, so I think this is. Now we got to find out why men themselves are like rejecting masculinity, you know, I think that Women, I believe, actually like masculinity, but I feel like there's a conditioning going on, right? I feel like there's a a conditioning going on through media, through our education, um, arguments that it's not biological. There's a whole movement, and you know about this, of them saying that our genders are not real. They are conditioned, and they're conditioned in the classroom, they're conditioned in you know by the parents you know and i'm sorry man i have a two-year-old son and i don't i i just consider i'll throw all of that that research out the window i don't even believe it my son was aggressive from day one uh he's crazy from he is a man and he's very you know obviously he's a two year old kid but he's masculine already and i didn't do anything like that i'm a pretty sensitive guy actually you know, and I live in a house filled with women. He, he spends most of his time with women. Why is he aggressive? Why is he hitting, you know, things with the hammer? Why is he breaking everything? You know, why does he run everywhere and want to climb up everything? And I think a lot of that's biological, but we like, there's, you know, so that's what I mean. I feel like this this pity, this this, am I doing the wrong thing is coming from actual social, um, um constructions the new ones that are saying that masculinity is really uh you know i don't know it's a problem it's a problem masculinity is a problem and uh you know and then it goes you know back to like this argument for equality um and that's a whole other topic man equality because like what does that even mean right like if i'm if i'm in the corner of a house and there's someone trying to rape and kill me I don't have any faith that anybody's gonna save me. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Like nobody's coming, nobody's coming to my rescue. They're running out the front door with the baby as far away as they can get. Well, I am, well, you know, there no one's gonna protect me. So I don't see how that's even like how we've come to where we're at. And that's why I wanted to have this discussion because I feel like we're in a place that continues to demean masculinity. Um and we're getting confused. I feel like we're getting too far away from that. But um, you have here toxic masculinity. What did you mean by that? Uh, is, is that like discussing the fact that, that maybe our urges can become problematic if they are not restrained? Or was that what you're talking about?
0: Well, yeah, I guess toxic masculinity can be like lots of stuff, right? It can be too much aggression. It can be uh, the misogynistic point of view, it can be uh, the desire to control women that comes from that biology, and it, it, ma- it manifests in ways that's inappropriate or um, it's basically it's it's abusive in relationships. It can be, the, you know, our desire to protect and not be vulnerable in, in the sense of uh, hiding things and, and not being open because we think that to be Uh, to be a man to be masculine is to be impenetrable is to be unbreakable is to be unbending unmoving right uh it can be any i guess any like it's it's the question is how do we use masculinity in a way that's productive right and you know how it's i think it's how does it become toxic because and i think i feel like a lot of that is because we just simply don't know how to we might not be aware of how to use it but i would say that the masculine mind and the masculinity provides. What does it give us? It gives us focus. Um, it gives us control. It gives us um, this this ability to be in the present. It gives us maybe action. You know, to take action without uh, sometimes um, without emotion. It's 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 logical. It's um, spatial. Uh, it's also very creative. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the masculine brain is, is capable of, you know, making decisions and, and being, um, confident with those decisions, you know, but toxic masculinity can manifest in the sense of, you know, looking at women, like they're objects or sexual objects, right. Um, it's, it's, it's men have to be very, very careful in modern day of how they treat women and how they deal with masculinity in a way that, either hurts themselves or hurts women or other people or not just everyone around them. Right. So, you know, it's, I think there's a whole broad spectrum of what is toxic masculinity. And if you're not thinking about how you're using your masculinity, you could be using it in a way that's actually detrimental to yourself and to others.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. And that brings us, I think out of the, the realm of biology and nature, right? So like uh, maybe not completely out of the realm of nature because I think there's a lot more going on at play, but from biology for sure, uh, that urge, right? Uh, so we know that we want, you know, men want to procreate. They want to have a, a, a sense of ownership. And I don't mean that in like, you are my slave. I mean that in, ju- in just this phrase. You are my family and that's it. And I will die for you and you can have my resources, but you're my family. So there's some rules we need to, we need to put into place. Like don't talk to the milkman too long, honey. Okay. I am going to work to make us money and remember that's half yours. Don't be talking to those other men. You know, it reminds me of that Weezer song, uh, Where he's like, uh, (laughs) when I'm away, she puts her makeup on the shelf. (inaudible) I want a girl who wants no one else. Something like that. You know what I'm saying? And he's like singing a song about, about he wants a woman that doesn't wear makeup when he's not around. And this goes back to like, this is another problem. So. We say that men shouldn't, you know, I do think men should control themselves in their pursuit for other women and the way they talk to other women and the way they look at other women. Um, But, you know, the irony, the hypocrisy in all of that is that women like to shine, dude. They like to be sparkly objects that draw the eyes near, you know, and like, so, you know, and I think that's biological as well. You, Women use their, um, you know, women use their beauty, Uh and I I don't want to use the word manipulate because I don't want to feel like it's a negative thing, but to draw the attention of men and in numbers because they don't know which man they're gonna get. Uh so you have a lot of women that put so much time and effort into their beauty and looking, you know, sexual sometimes. Not all women, some just go for the beauty, others go for the beauty and sexiness, some just go straight sexy, but either way. That's kind of hypocritical, you know. It's kind of like hypocritical, you know, it is to, to 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 do that and then not want a man to go. Wow, you look really nice. Holy cow, you know. So that's, you know, it's ironic. We live in this like I feel like it's like this ch- these changing times. I mean, we know they're changing, um, but there's a conflict between the biological and now the social, right? Where our societies have changed so much, um, so. Yeah, but I do think it is the responsibility of men to, uh, especially in this time, um, but really in all times, is to control themselves. So men want to have control naturally, right? Maybe part of that desire for control is also over thyself. You know, it's possible that it, that is part of it, because I know a lot of men restrain. You know, you know that listen, feminism was not created by women is created by men. In fact, there's one man who coined it and started all the research. And I forget his name right now. I could get it for you later. But f- the movement of feminism was built by men. And this is a very interesting concept. Uh, you don't have to take my word for it. Do your research and you will find out the truth. Uh, I feel like his name was like Nancy or like his last name. Was, I forget. But I did study sociology, social psych, um, and did a lot of studies and stuff like this. I, you know, I have a degree in cultural anthropology. So um, yeah, so this, this, this data is out there. Um, so again, men trying to control themselves. And I think they should, because earlier you said like our masculinity has the, the, the ability to actually have really bad effects on those around us. If we do ch- like go off and we are promiscuous, um, after we've let's say settled with a woman and had a child, um, once the family unit is built, I think men need to, you know, reshape themselves. And because if they don't, uh, everybody loses. I mean, he goes out, he could bring home an STD. So you're bringing disease into your household. If she, if your wife finds out she's most likely going to leave you because you broke her heart in this. And so you're going to lose, she's going to lose, and then anybody else, the children will lose. And if you look at my family, if that happened, not only do the three of us lose, my mother loses, her mother and father lose, everybody loses. And so I think that Men that have good conscience, um, maybe some kind of guide, ethical compass, right? It could be a religion or it could just be a strong ethical understanding of the way society and humanity works. But men do have a great job, you know, of self-control. You can't go hurting other people. I mean, that's not good. You hurt somebody else. Again, there's there's a ripple effect. You hurt somebody. You take somebody's eye. Now there's a husband without an eye. And, you know, his jobs will be affected. Now you're affecting the family. So I think this is the responsibility of men. And I believe that that's really masculine to to take this step back and to think about our responsibility and how do we control those biological urges. We need them, keep them in the closet, safe and secure, easy, accessible. But at the same time, we prefer dust building up on those things rather than being used, you know? So anyways, just a little bit of food for thought for you.
0: Yeah, I love what you said there about we want them, but we want them in the closet. and We want to control them because that's how society seems to look at it, right? It's like, ah, you can have sex, but only, you know, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. in your, in your house at this time, no one's around and you can't talk about it and you can't you know, make it public. And it's got to be with one person, you know, like all these drives that, Oh, it's okay to protect someone and be brave in this circumstance, but it's not okay to be aggressive in another, you know, like boxing and, and MMA and compared to, you know, people fighting on the street, et cetera. Like there's a lot there to unpack, but you know, we, one thing that you mentioned is that I thought was very powerful is that we don't really talk about how the biology of women is permeating behavior you know, permeating in society, how it it affects behavior with women. And we don't really talk about toxic femininity so much. And, you know, like you said, is that women have this desire in their femininity to look and be feminine and feel like a woman and feel sexual. And I think that's a beautiful thing and they're entitled to do that, you know, but again, maybe in situations where it, it wouldn't seem to be appropriate that could get in the way you know, or, or create issues. Like you said, a woman, you know, seeking approval or looking, you know, being sexually flamboyant or, you know, Jordan Peterson got into a lot of trouble when he was talking about women using makeup is he was kind of saying something like it was inappropriate or it was, it was um, in a way it was making them cause attention to themselves. You know, it's, and then again, then men are shamed because a woman, you know, is looking sexy and she's looking attractive and she's getting attention and it's okay while they get that attention, attention of the men that they want, but they get it often. They get unwanted attention and guess what? It's sexual harassment. Right. So I think that's very, it's, it's, it's just very ambiguous. It's, 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 it's very, it's just very unclear. It's, it's very, um, I don't know. it's, It's very distorted. So, but you know, we don't really talk about you know toxic femininity and how that can you know. We just had the Johnny Depp Amber Heard Amber Heard um, trials, and relationships can get messy. But you know, it's it's like Sigmund Freud basically said that society wouldn't even exist if we couldn't suppress our biological urges. So. Is it okay for a woman to look sexy and, and get dressed up and be feminine? Absolutely, of course. All right. But maybe in an environment where it's she feels safe, right? And she's protected, right? And in an environment where she's validated and appreciated and, and not going to be abused and exploited. Right. So yeah, I think there's a lot there to unpack. But you know, men have we I have did- this. Same issue, yeah, go,
1: yeah, man. Like, so I don't know where all these references are coming from today, but uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, who's a very intelligent comedian, uh, has this thing where he's talking about uh, you know, sexual harassment, right? And he's like, Men, and he talks to the men in the audience first. He's like, Your job is to find a woman to stay with her, protect her, to raise a family. And you need to keep your your shit in your pants, basically. And then he's like, but ladies, you gotta understand it's really confusing when you get dressed up like that and you say you're not that. He says, it's like me, Dave Chappelle, going out in a police officer's uniform on the corner of a busy street, and when someone getting robbed runs up to me and goes, officer, 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 help me, officer, please, I've been robbed. He says, I ain't an officer. I'm just dressed as one. And he says this, and he's like, ladies, you gotta admit, some of you dress like prostitutes. (laughs) And... It's it's just hilarious. As you can see, this comes into our movies, into our literature, into our stand-up comedy. But it's like the confusion, right? Like me as a police officer on the corner, or you know, like help, help, but don't call me a police officer. I'm just wearing the clothes. And so it was really a fascinating like spin on it. Um, obviously, he has a lot of respect. He's been married a long time, he has a lot of children. Uh but these are social issues that we are struggling with right now, you know? Um, why you got to look so sexy if it's not, if you don't want attention, what was all the effort put into it? Like, I don't know. It's always for attention, right? You don't decorate your house. I mean, yeah, if, if you decorate-
0: a lot of women would feel very um, offended by that. I feel, you know, a lot of women would, I think a lot of women would say that, you know, they have the right to wear what they want to wear. You know, without being judged and without having to worry about men pursuing them, right? Because they're entitled to to wear whatever kind of provocative, provocative or appealing or sexually attractive um, clothes. And I think there's, I agree with that. There is truth to that. But at the same time, you know, men, we are biologically programmed to procreate, and when women wear revealing clothes. You know, I understand why muslim, some muslim countries have their women completely covered up and controlled now because i be, because of that um you know when women are wearing what they're wearing it does trigger and activate you know um our biological urges in ways that sometimes and i can i can promise you a lot of men you know and, and i felt this we don't even want to feel right and if you're yeah. a man that you're not in control of your impulses most men, I think, are right. I would say that the majority of men are in control of their impulses, right? But there's always going to be that one one guy, or that one percent, or that zero point two percent, or one percent of um, every you know every situation, person that's going to do something inappropriate that's triggered based on you know based on what women are wearing because it does elicit attention. It does elicit emotion, right? But it's like, what, you, what do you do with it? And can you, can you take the beast out of every man? You know, like, I don't think you can. But, you know, women have to understand that. I think they should be aware that maybe it's a better way of putting it is that the biology is, is huge. And it's not going away. Like we're programmed like this, right? And we've got to be, we've got to respect it. And I'm not saying women shouldn't dress what they want to dress. And I don't think we should call obviously women prostitutes for, yeah. And that's not obviously not what Dave Chappelle is saying, but we definitely got to be aware that oh god, sometimes, like sometimes you don't even want to see that. Like I live in Colombia, and the the women dress phenomenally feminine and sexy, and a lot of times I walk down the street and I'm like oh, I don't really want to see that right now, um, but. Yeah.
1: And what kind of things do you hear being heckled from the cafes and the corner stores at these women? How is that? What kind of reaction is that causing the elder men, the men sitting around drinking beers, having coffee? Do they say
0: things? Well, in Colombia, usually not. They always look, you know, and it does happen. But I think the men here, like, you you know, you go to a gym and they're sort of a bit desensitized to it because it's so normal in the culture, but, you know, at night in clubs and bars and on the street. Yeah. I think that happens a lot more men are drinking, brings out those primitive urges more. We become much more, um, much more unleashed, much more untamed, much more, um, much more raw and primitive, I think, you know, so I think it happens a lot more then than on the streets, but yeah, it's it's you know it's it's kind of I don't know, women are women are definitely from a man's point of view women are a, a very very powerful resource. You know, like women create women are the heart of a family. They can give you children. You know, if you reproduce with them, you create a strong relationship, you know, it's a, a strong sexual relationship. You're going to have children, right? And that's a big deal, right? It just kind of, as men, I guess, in the modern day, we've got to be very aware and respectful of the fact that, you know, what women, what the intention of a woman is, um, is not is not always what it might seem to be. I don't know. I've got to think about that a little bit more.
1: Yeah, but we've gotten kind of like, so here we are. We're discussing these major differences and that can cause conflict. And then there's now, uh, you know, um, contrasting ideas about the way things should be. But um, we know that this is true, that there's femininity and masculinity in the world, and that ultimately that tends to lead towards uh, intimate uh, um, sexual um, relationships that also tend to lead towards family. And so, um, and that's important. So that brings us to a a new question, right? Like, um, how do we create balance? What would be a good balance? Like, I mean, I truly believe that, you know, in the marital, um, what do you call those promises? Um, Vows. I believe there's, yeah, the vows, thank you. Um, and a vow is just a very serious promise, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's superior to a promise. It's a higher level. Um, but uh, yeah, so how do we balance fem- femininity and masculinity in the household? If, if you like, you know, like, so is that like, you know, I, I know that a lot of people, a lot of households. So one of the biggest problems we're dealing with today, I think uh, is broken homes. And I think it's because of this confusion about uh, the role of masculinity and femininity in society. And you're, you're right, you said it earlier, Some, a lot of men look at women as objects and that's not good. That's not good at all. Um, but I think that like wiser, older, um, more self-controlled men do not. They see them as like our partner and you know, uh, part of the grapevine, right? part of the, the, you know, the mother, they see the mother, you know, that's what I see, right. With my wife is, is the mother of the household. Um, um, but because there's all these ideologies going around, like men are dirty, they're sleazy. They just want to get out there and have sex. They're untrustworthy. They are over domineering in situations. They want to control. Uh, oftentimes women just want, and Men, So it causes this massive conflict in the household, which really, there's only two major options. And lately, especially in the West, and even like in Thailand, where I live, divorce is the more likely option, right? Divorce separating that household. So we don't understand each other. We don't accept each other. Let's just call it quits. And then we're left with a broken relationship a broken home and now some really um well uh what's the word uh, well was, i'm trying I'm forgetting a word but the children are left there in this the middle of this great disaster
0: yeah they're kind of um they're kind of traumatized but let's break that down a little bit because yeah meant and that's this men are, do have a lot of these stereotypes, right? Stereotypes, as we know, is a pretty, pretty shitty way of describing people. Not all men are like that. Yes. All men, all men want to engage in sexual activity to reproduce. Yes. But I think that maybe men are maybe a little bit, could be a little bit sleazy um, when they're younger, but it's really the, it's kind of like, it's it's them establishing confidence to talk to women engage with women and to, to be with a woman. But I think that really the, the intention, whether men know it or not is basically to create the family unit. Right. And then the, the, then, then the real game begins because when you're in the, the family unit, that's when it's like the masculine energy and the feminine energy is very important. And I was saying this the other day to a friend of mine, I think that, you know, because when I talk about my wife and my relationship, I said that there seems to be two ways of dealing with women in the, in the household. And the the first way is the old school way of it's my way or the highway, right? It's, you know, the, you, the woman bends to the man and you just, you know, you can throw your weight around and say, listen, I'm working, I'm doing this. I'm going to go to the gym when I want, I'm going to come and go when I want. Uh, this house I'm paying for, et cetera, et cetera. You throw your weight around and she just accepts it or she has to leave. I think that's the old school way, right? But I think the, the way that, you know, the more evolved man, the way of the superior man, as David Data calls it, he says that, you know, if you really want to have a great relationship with the woman, you need to know how to nurture her. Like you say, just even framing it as the woman being the heart of the household, that is honoring your woman, even saying you're a woman, people feel upset about that. But honoring the woman, or your wife, or your partner, the woman in the house, right? So, you know, nurturing. I think it becomes then is the man, the evolved man, starts to look for ways to nurture and honor and treasure and water and and love that woman in a way that maintains her femininity gives her power, you know, so that she can be who she is and she can glow and grow, uh, you know, with you. And she can, instead of her being controlled in a little box, she finds her power. And then ultimately she shares that with you, right? And she supports you and loves you. And and ultimately as well, she shares that with the children and you grow together as a family unit. And that's something really beautiful. But if you haven't got that ideology within your head and you don't understand that, you know, you—it's not about controlling your woman to making so she's subservient and, and obey, but it's about nourishing her, right? And that might mean that as the masculine, you might need to simply not talk. It might not mean that you might not have to hold back your masculinity and not try to give her solutions. It might mean that you. you you have to hold back or stop, you know, tapping into the masculinity and, and, you know, explain things using your, your logical masculine spatial brain about, you know, how today was an exception and every other day that you've behaved perfectly. Right. So I think that's really important to acknowledge, you know, what is the evolution, the evolution of, okay, men want to sexually pursue women, but most men will end up finding some sort of long-term partner you know that evolves into a, a family kind of unit and then the real power comes in with you know understanding how to use your masculinity and femininity in the household to cherish each other instead of controlling each other
1: yeah absolutely and i like what you said about that it, it is a It is very important, um, you know, especially, I feel like more so, well, I think it's just important in general. I won't talk about time periods, but yeah, I think it's very important. And that's like the responsibility of the man is to start utilizing that energy, you know, that drive for like conquest or going out and uh, spreading seeds, you know, just take all that energy and give it to your wife or your companion or um, whatever it may be. Um, And I think that's true pre-birth and post-birth, you know? Like, but I think it becomes, everything becomes more serious when there's a child involved. Um, And I do find, I do find it, um, I do find it of tremendous or immense uh, value um, to make sure you put that maintenance in there to make sure that we nurture the woman. Um, because one of the problems, if, if we forget to do that, it can lead to conflict. It can lead to um, maybe avoidance and maybe uh, a wife or a, or a husband will stop paying attention to the other. And then what happens then? Well, then that leads to like um, insecurities, right? Um, I guess maybe... Yeah, mostly insecurity, like they start feeling that they're not loved. And if we feel we're not loved, we're more likely to flee the situation, you know. So it's fight or flight. I mean, and I mean that in a in a relationship way uh, and and fighting being not violent, fighting being the struggle to the constant struggle to um, nurture those in your family. Now, that's the, the ultimate fight for a man, I think. Um, and I think men are very, very, very capable of giving love and tenderness and nurturing and, and consoling and, and everything. And I think to an extent, some men, including myself, like the feeling I get from serving my family, you know, for doing these nice things for them. Um, but I do forget about it from time to time. Right. And, uh. So I find that very important, and I feel like in a world that's especially like in like my country, the U.S., it's a world like, you know, its mantra is independence. Right. And there's, <laughs> you know, independence is actually quite a dangerous, dangerous concept, because it really makes this idea that we're, we're either independent and free or we are controlled by something else against our will. And uh, so it's this, this binary system, right? Freedom and independence or dependence and slavery, you know? And that's just not the truth. Um, we are all dependent and we're dependent on one another. So I think men need to remember that. Um, they need to come in and if their wife's upset, like Steven said, sometimes the best therapy is just quiet and listen, you know? But men wanting to innately kind of like you know, speak their point of view and control situations will tend to fight back. And I'm, I'm, I'm very guilty of that. Um, so how do we do it? You know, I can't speak from a woman's perspective on how like their end, the feminine end of things, except for just the same as letting your partner know you love them. But men really need to work hard. It's not just about, what I've found is it's not just about the resources, you know, the financial resources. The other resources are the foot rubs, the back rubs, the hugs, the brushing the hair, the cooking the food, the, you know, and, and some, you know, maybe buying fruit for them or a flower, you know, in Thailand, they don't really buy flowers, but I kind of still do once in a while for my wife, but, you know, they would love a mango, <laughs> you know, it's like a Bob Marley, you know, Bob Marley was known. To be romantic but in a very strange way like he would never buy them candy or or roses or rings or diamonds he'd bring them a mango and that was it you know like just some sweet fruit uh but yeah so you know the fact that both of us are talking about this shows and I consider us both kind of masculine men that there is a true tenderness within us and it's just this you know, men have a really strong responsibility to be able to control these gifts, which I call them gifts that we've been giving uh, been given. And it's not just gifts for us, it's gifts for our family. It's gifts for our community. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if a kid down the street, you know, gets attacked by a dog, you can be damn sure I'll be in between that dog and that kid, even though it's not my kid. and even if I don't like the kid, I'm going to be in there. Why? Because there's a biological urge. I got to protect that kid. That kid's part of my community and his family's happiness ultimately is tied into the community's happiness, you know, the overall happiness. So, you know, this is the thing that I think I hope people one day can realize is that the masculine mind, there's a lot going on in there and it's not just sex. It's not just power. There's a lot of love and compassion. And I just hope people don't forget that.
0: Yeah, that's really well said. And I think only when you become a part of a family, only when, well, maybe not only, let's say, you know, like, let me not say, let's not use the word only, but when you become a part of a family, when you become, especially a husband and a father, that energy is so important. Like you said, why can't it be like loving? Why can't it be, you know, why can't it be nurturing? Why can't it be, um caring, you know, all of that, all of those um, attributes that the masculine uh, any the masculine mind has, you know, the masculine mind and masculinity is also patient, you know, it's 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 nurturing, you know like th- having the male, presence in the house and just having this calmness, it's it's kind of like, I don't don't know. It's, it's just kind of like a realm of power. That's, that's there like just with like cool water that at any time could, could come up like, uh, I don't know, maybe a, you know, a lion, that's um, a lion, a calm lion, right. That's just watching the cubs right there to guide there to protect. But at any moment there's a threat, you know, that lion will stand up, you know, and rip to shreds the enemy because that's, his job is to protect what he loves, right? So there's real power in that masculinity if it's used the right way. And you know, the, the beautiful thing about being a father, or even a brother, or an uncle, or any other, you know, a cousin, you know, is using that masculinity to contribute to the family, to contribute to the, to the, to society, and to, um, is to give those gifts in a way that make uh, the the lives of others better. Right, I think that's ultimately what it is, you know. So, I don't know. Do do you think that, you know, do you think people are even aware of that? You know, do you think of people, you know, have have thought about, you know, that concept, or or are we not aware of it? Are we not told? Are we not taught? You know, what's what's missing there in society? I feel like we're not taught and told.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. I totally agree, and um. You know, yeah, it's it's very complicated. And I'm not sure what's happening, but I think we can all agree that the contribution of a brother or an uncle um, in situations is a very powerful influence. And I mean, same with aunties, right? And sisters, you know? So uh, I think it just goes down to that we need a good balance of femininity and masculinity within our societies. Um, communities and households and i believe it starts in the household right like um i mean the the root of it like the beginning of it starts in the household um but we live in a you know the u.s has like a 55 percent divorce rate i think thailand's around the same which is really high and then what happens is uh you just get you know women raising children uh, boys and girls and there's arguments that oh yeah you know, they can do it by themselves, you know, we can do it by ourselves. You know, I, one time I got in a fight with my wife, you know, unfortunately, and, you know, it got to like conversation like that. Like I can take care of my son you know, by myself, I don't need you blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, honey, that's not true. Like, of course you can. Yes. Anybody can raise a child by themselves, but at what cost? And so I kind of like to talk about that. Um, What is the effects of like absence of masculinity within a household when we we're in a world where broken homes are pretty common, right? At least in my country of birth and then also in the country of choice where I live now, you know, it's like there's tremendous uh, impact and it's for the negative, right? The, the, The absence of masculinity in a household is devastating for children. Can they survive it? Yes, of course I did. Here I am, you know, and, uh, I grew up without a dad in my household and, um, what kind of, what, how has that shaped me? Well, we could go into a lot about that. Um, but I'd like to speak more on the general of how, it, how it shapes people. Is that all right? If we kind of start going into that, Stephen?
0: Yeah, I think it's a good topic.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. So like, you know again i I told you like I i did some research in sociology you know they do a lot of studies on how societies are impacted for any given reason i mean you know sociology actually means the study of society right and so um society is everywhere it's within our households and you know i feel that we need to find a way and maybe this is the father's job in today's world is to become more selfless and to accept that that's the environment we're living in but man it's so easy just to quit and uh children are devastated man so it, both sides like ch- female children and male children need their both their mother and their father but you know the common trend is, is that when there's a divorce or a separation, it's the father that goes, right? It's the father that goes. Um, you, you, most men wouldn't want to take children away from a mother. Just a, a, a decent man would not see that as any type of benefit for anyone. Um, you know. And so I think what typically goes is the man accepts it and he leaves. And then, um, you know, it's not about... It's not just the parents that are affected; it's the children. So I'm just gonna, you know, according to like I, I brought it up earlier, the um, I was doing some research on the National Institute of Health uh, by the U.S. government, and it's um, a group of sociologists, psychologists uh, studying the effects of and the absence of father in the household, and it is the data. Um, is, you, is oh, I'm losing the words right now, but it's basically uncontestable, uh, you know? And basically, by having the father in the, ha- or not having a father in the household always leads to greater social uh, issues for the children. And th- there are many, many uh, negative effects, including, you know, financial effects, um relationship playing out in life, confidence, right? Um, and it's it's just really it's really sad that we've come to accept that And I feel like a lot of people have accept that. like I said, I come from a broken home. I know a lot of people who would argue that the mother is the only one who's really needed by the children because she bore them, she has you know she she, she nurtures, Uh, more. She's more sensitive. She talks more. And I just totally disagree with that, man. I mean, you know, females that don't have, and this is scientific evidence, females that grow up without fathers are more likely to get pregnant uh, 70 times, 75 times more likely, not times, sorry, percent, 75% more likely to become pregnant in their teens before marriage and then to end up in broken relationships so it perpetuates itself and part of that is because the lack of confidence right and discipline and i think that masculinity in the household brings you know it it comes with its pet baggage right i mean it's we're different males but it comes with this this men like fathers want to control and discipline their children and what I mean by that is they want them to make the right choices. They want them to be safe in the world. And sometimes that could be misunderstood, right? It's called tough love. And, uh, even my, my wife has said, sometimes you try to to control the situation too much. And I'm like, yeah. And then I go through a a list of reasons why. Um, and then she sometimes gets it. She goes, Oh yeah, no, I didn't think about that. And other times she doesn't, which is okay. But, um, (laughs) So let's just go in through this really quick, but, um, there are a lot, it's, it's, it's proven that there are tons of effects, positive effects for children growing up with, uh, a father, they tend to get better grades. Okay. So, uh, males, males are 80% less likely to spend time in jail, right. Um, or drop out of school, um, and, It's because of that lack of, it's that lack of uh, discipline, right? So people that grow up with both a mother and a father, children, uh, are definitely more emotionally stable. They find commitment easier um, and they go out into the world and they're more successful. It's just the data doesn't lie. There's, they've been studying this for since the sixties, really, since sociology first kind of started blossoming. Um, and it's getting, I mean, it's becoming more and more obvious. Right. So I think that people like the household needs this disciplinarian, they need this person that can be tough and rigid and strict because that's the way the world is anyways, outside you go outside. And if you, if you're used to breaking rules or not having structure, well, then you're going to fail in many ways. Right. But basically grades, financial, uh, career success, relationship success all of these are they benefit like there's it's in that invaluable invaluable the uh, the role of masculinity in the outcomes of these children's lives um, <clears throat> so I mean do you th- do you think these facts I mean are something tangible enough for us to hold on to and maybe make an argument for the importance of having masculinity and accepting and appreciating masculinity within our society
0: yeah i would say that it's a given it's it's obvious like i would argue that it's obvious and i would be you know just as destructive if there was the the mom was not there right i think you need you know for the 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 healthy uh, environment for a child is that you need the balance of the masculine and feminine energy right and there's so many benefits that go with that And I like, even just like you said, there's there's some really simple ones, like economic ones, right? Where you have two incomes. That's a pretty simple one, right? And you, you, but when you start getting, like you said, a bit deeper, when you talk about, you know, children feeling um, emotionally more stable, they're feeling a sense of love, connection, and self worth. That's a big one, right? And that's definitely a big one. And of course, you know, there's a children freaking traumatized, man when a parent leaves, whatever reason, you know, and women, you know, would, I'm sure not all of them, but lots of them will probably feel a sense of abandonment. And then their relationship, their relationships with men uh, have already been damaged because, you know, we're meant to learn from our parents. They're meant to be role models on how to be a man, how to be a woman of integrity, how to be a man of integrity, how to create a relationship and then, you know, that masculine figure isn't there. How does a girl know how to create a relationship with a man if she hasn't had that, you know, that deep love practice of, you know, the the bond of a father to a daughter, right? And then th- does that permeate into her sense of self-love and self-value? Of course it does, right? Of course it does, right? So there's a couple of really big ones there. Like the academic performance that you mentioned, you know, discipline, you know, like men's sometimes, you know, will have no trouble saying no, you, you got to say no to a kid. And maybe sometimes women, you know, and also the fact that a single mom, she's trying to do, or a single father, you're trying to do so many things, you're trying to wash the clothes, cook a meal, you know, uh, clean the house, stop the house from burning on fire, keep the kid alive, you know, do his homework or her homework bro like how do how the hell do you do all that how do you do all that right and then and then like what are you going to do you have you have time to discipline the kid and give that kid lots of love it's kind of like you're going to give that kid an ipad to put the television on and just go listen go watch tv let mom do what we need to do and there'll be dinner on the table in, in an hour right and that's yeah. who misses out then the, the child misses out on the the role models in the house the the attention and energy they they need and they they grew up basically well i i can't see it any other way they they grew up neglected because a child should never grow up with just one person right it's you you know like yeah absolutely I a child, yeah if the father's not around well then she should be with like ideally in the perfect world okay like her sisters and her mom and her grand, their grandparents. And they, so the kid has got, you know, connections and feels loved, not feels abandoned. Right. So it's, it's pretty deep and it's pretty heavy, but at the same time, it's also kind of, it's like you said, that it's, it's, there's a lot of data that's come out. So, um, and it's basic psychology, man, is that kids need to feel loved and they want to feel loved by their mom and their dad. And, you know, and the kids even, you know, like I have a stepson, he's nine years old. And when I came into his life, he was like, who is this guy? Right. And, you know, the way that I discipline him and the way that we do it together is we've got to be very careful because the whole time he's known that I am not his biological dad. And that's made a huge difference in the way that he looks at me because, you know, kids immediately give their biological parents a lot of respect because it's my dad or my mom, right? So, you know, can you be a strong role model and, and, you know, nurture and raise a child that's not your own? Of course you can, but you've got to do it in a different way. But the my stepson, because he hadn't had a masculine figure in the house for four years, you know, he had his personality, uh, you know, evolved in a particular way with just his mom, you know, um, and I think with a bit more anxiety sometimes, and sometimes, um, you know, feeling, feeling abandoned, and and not having someone say no as much as what he needed to have that, right? And we had to work really hard to try to find that balance now with between, you know, him as a young man and and nurturing him and connecting him with to his biological dad, and um, you know, trying to just at the very, very minimum, minimum, make sure that he feels loved and protected and, you know, guided. You know. So, bro, what do you think about this concept of, you know, the the male mentor? Like, you know, is 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 again, I feel like that's something that's com- com- like completely undervalued. Like this is, you know, the the male presence in the house, you know, is, is definitely I think it's taken for granted in lots of ways, right? It's assumed, and when it's not there, it's like, ah, you know, she's going to suffer, but the kid will be okay, or whatever. You know, they don't really people don't really think about the long term, indelible, long term effects that children have because a parent isn't there. But what do you think about the male? Like, well, you know, did without getting too personal, do you feel like you did you feel like in your life? you know, how would your life have been different with a strong male mentor? You know, when did you ever find in your life, a strong male mentor later, later in your life? How important is that? Is it to be a strong male mentor for your son? Right. And and do you think that by giving him that, for example, he's going to be at an advantage? There's some questions to throw at you.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, good question. I, I, I think it's, I think it's vital, man. I really do. Um, I feel that, you know, like in your situation, you're the male mentor for Anhel, and I think that Anhel's life will be, tr- like, improved in so many ways. You know, the problem of not having you know, I, like you said earlier, men, we sometimes have no problem saying no, no. And that's it, a final, you know, whereas like even my mom, and, and I know, I see it all the time, I won't list people. I shouldn't probably talk about my mom either, but like, but I will, because it's a personal experience, is that she would say, no, you can't do this. And I'd say, I want to go, I want to go. And eventually she just didn't want to fight, right? She was trying to avoid the fight and she said, all right, You can go. Just call me when you get there. I shouldn't have gone. It was like a weeknight. It was late, but she just didn't have the energy to fight, right? Like to fight with me. And and I think because I'm a man, I'd fight back because I didn't know how to listen to women the way men should, (laughs) you know? And I think that both boys and girls, but let's talk about boys right now. um, They need a male mentor in their life. It doesn't have to be their biological father. Of course, the biological father is so important. Like you said, there is a a connection that just, you know, permeates, it goes to the deepest of levels. But when that's not possible, say that if uh, someone dies, a father dies in maybe combat or warfare or an accident, you know, um, or, you know, more commonly, or she just leaves because they divorce. I think that a mentor is so important because this, you know, our world, well, basically men need to be understood by men, women, men do not really know what it's like to be a woman. They never will. What is child, what is uh, uh, becoming pregnant feel like? What does giving birth feel like? How do you feel afterwards when you're the one that birthed this thing, like, No wonder women don't want to leave their kid it's always the father that leaves or usually uh because there is a connection there that we don't even understand right and uh boys will typically always love their mother the most right they respect their father but they there's this love for their mothers and i think that this goes for this this understanding Um, that we were one at one point. It's maybe not even an understanding. It's a subconscious, non-conscious understanding. Um, But yeah, man, I think it's so important to have a good male role model um, because it just, boys are different and only boys understand what boys are going through emotionally. Um, Like how do we control our urges? Well, it's easier to take that from another man than from another woman, right? Because there could be like biases, you know, you could kind of see that, like maybe like, oh yeah, well, she's a woman. Of course she wants me to treat women, right? But if a man says, no, you need to treat women, right? That's one of the most important things in the world. That's the only way we're going to make it through, (laughs) you know, uh, they're angels, blah, blah, blah. You need men to tell you that as a boy, because as a boy growing up, I wouldn't take Uh, some of these things seriously that were said by my mother kind of like well you don't understand what it's like to be me you know what I mean but that wouldn't have been possible if I had like a mentor very close to me and like he can tell me I understand exactly how it is to be you don't you you know and then he'd probably put me in my place and I think that men young men need to be put in their place man they really do like and I don't mean that like in a negative way but we we need to learn that in the, when we, I mean, we need to be providers. Men aren't that valuable, dude. We, we, we are very expendable. I mean, we go to war, they can just get rid of us, you know, pretty easily. Um, and you, there's another one to come around every time. And I think that only men can explain that situation to young boys. That, you know, you ain't shit unless you make shit of yourself. And even if you make shit of yourself, you need to take care of the people around you, because otherwise, there's really you're not giving anything to society unless you're t- given, you know, taking care of your family, uh, making sure everybody's fed and has a roof over their head, and fighting for your country. You have zero value, you know. And they need that kind of sincere honesty, you know. And I shouldn't say zero value. I'm just saying the world is a harsh place, and if if, if if a boy grows up without a, a a male mentor, father figure in his life, uh, well, he's going to be kind of like me. You know, I was in and out of jobs. You know, I would quit. I'd get angry at my bosses. I couldn't discipline myself. I didn't like other men kind of being overbearing with me, even though they were paying my bills. Like for some reason I would, I'd get angry and I just, I just quit right there, right in front of them. And like, they'd be shocked. Like, whoa, why are you quitting? You're like, hurting yourself kind of, you know, and, but it was just out of pride, you know, so I, I think that this happens to a lot of boys. We, uh, without a a mentor, we, we don't accept discipline, uh, the way we should. And the truth is, is that everybody needs discipline in a society. That's the only way we have society, uh, societies that function is through, well, accepting the rules and regulations and plant, you know, and also just being disciplined, self-disciplined. Um, so I think that that's, that's the one thing I learned personally, but I think it teaches them that being like having a male mentor teaches boys that it's okay to be a man. It's okay to be a man. And this is how we do it. And sometimes people won't like it and that's okay. You know, uh, just go with the flow, you know, um, but especially in the household, like, you know, women and men are so different. And if, if, if a child does not get to see the way those two different uh, ends of the spectrum act, interact, communicate, solve problems, uh, if they are, they are totally neglected, um, you know, from understanding the truth about the world. The world is 50% women and 50% men, more or less. And so how are you gonna understand the other gender, whether it's the mom or the dad that's missing, I think the children lose the most because they're not exposed to this complex social uh, interactions that's happening, right? So I'm kind of like rambling, but I think it's a very important topic that education and development comes through experience, right? And if we don't have those experiences, well, then we're void of them. And we become adults. I mean, you can see them around you. You know, I had friends like uncles, but for some reason, my uncles really weren't that involved. Um, But when they were, they did cool manly stuff with me, like take me fishing, you know, uh, out on a boat. And that was awesome. And then they'd call me out. You know, they, they, they were, they spoke to me different than the women did. That's for sure. Like, pick it up. Yeah. yeah. They were very strict with me, dude. Like, and that little bit was good. But like I said, personally, I've had a lot of issues in my life just because I had to learn how to work with other men and how to accept um, not always being in control, you know, sharing that. So I hope I answered your question. I feel like I rambled a bit.
0: No, you definitely did. And there's, I think there's a lot to unpack and explore. And I would would even argue to, to add to that is that that's just maybe the tip of the iceberg. Right. And then, you know, you're like, I would argue that you don't have to have a vacant parent physically to have a vacant parent emotionally. Right. And, you know, I'll talk from my own experience that I feel like, you know, I didn't connect very well with my father and, you know, it was a, it was a big dis, um, maybe a disjoint disjointedness regarding like his upbringing and his, his upbringing, his identity, his ideologies. And, and, you know, my dad's a first, first year Australian immigrant. um, So, you know, I think what, what suffers there, if you haven't got a good mentor, like even though my dad was present, I, I kind of made a, an active choice not to replicate my dad's behaviors and ideologies. Right. So, Then I felt like I didn't have a strong mentor or someone I could learn from and to guide me and to to direct me. And then I felt very lost, man. I felt like I didn't have a strong identity at all, and I felt like I didn't know who I was and you know what to adopt. And I had I spent a lot of time thinking about um, what does it mean to be a man and and how do you uh, you know how do I find my place in the world? And it was a massive blow to my confidence, man. It was a massive blow to my progression and maturity and. Um, I fell into other things as as distractions, and you know, I ignored it because I didn't have the guidance that I needed, you know, to to so turn me. into a he,
1: mm. he was in your household, right? Like he was present, but just withdrawn. Is that what? You're yeah, saying?
0: My, my dad was um, physically there, but you know, my dad was a bit difficult. You know, he was very old school European. Uh, very overbearing, dominant. Um, he was a bit verbally abusive without, you know, intending to be, um, you know, my dad did a lot of things that I didn't agree with. My dad has, it still does. He has a lot of ideologies that I don't agree with, um, you know, and that's, that's fine. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like I could have conformed and, and just been like him. But as this is another thing, man, as, as boys, young men, if you don't like what's in front of you, you're going to rebel. You're going to, you're going to find, you're going to say no, and you're going to be ready for a fight. And, um, that conflict might last a day, a month, a year, or a decade, right? So, you know, if, if you, as a parent haven't got a way to, to resolve that and understand that, then you're screwed. You know, you're going to have a long-term conflict with your son because you haven't got the tools to be able to deal with that. So I, you know, I feel like as, as it took me a long time to, to really find my feet, probably my late twenties as, um, you know, getting educated before I really felt like I, I became a man. Um, and yeah, I, I think it definitely slowed down my progression as a, as a human being, but, you know, I feel like it got there at the end, but I felt like, you know, it was just, it was just stupid. It was just a waste. Not a, I wouldn't call it a complete waste of time, but it, it, what would you rather? Like if, if I had a son you know, I've got a daughter, if I had a son, I would want him to be guided and molded as much as you know, he's willing to be right so that he can be empowered by the world. And he can be loved and cherished and feel valued, valued, respected, confident, and not have him filled with doubt and and uncertainty and not knowing how to um, where his place is in the world, right? So, that's a huge one, man. I think your identity as a young man can be um, completely, if not threatened, it can be completely very turbulent and um, uncertain.
1: Yeah, and that raises an interesting question um, on my behalf. So I agree with you that that um, withdrawn or, you know, um, inactive or distant parent also has its uh, profound impact on a child's self-confidence psychology right their their understanding of themselves but I need to ask you do you, like so your situation is different than mine right but we both are in a situation that it was kind of like not good mentoring by masculine figures right it sounds like your father was withdrawn to, for, to some extent. And my father was just absent. So do you think that it's equal? Like, did you still learn things from having your father there? Like maybe under, like, I don't know. I see what you're saying. And I know people that suffer just as much as I did and maybe more and their parents were there, but it was like an alcoholic father or something like that, right? Or an abusive father. And that's pretty gnarly, dude. Like I've never experienced that. So I don't really know. Um, But do you think, there is a like a, a difference, I guess, like between the absence, the complete absence, both mental and physical versus just, I guess, mental, you know, uh, communication. Um, because that's an interesting question to me because like, it sounds like you have a lot of the same issues that I did, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. To, it, not it to does. put us... Our, ourselves are our, our experiences under the spotlight but i mean it sounds like we have a lot in common because of that but mine was kind of like i maybe yours too it sounds like yours too like abandonment you know and then what happens with abandonment is you're always trying to prove yourself to others i'm speaking for myself when i say you so i'm always trying to improve well i used to now i don't really care anymore but like you know it took me a long time to become a man that's for sure um you know just arrested development i think i think that's the key man it's like arrested development it takes time but i felt really that's the tragic part yeah yeah absolutely and it's it is tragic and that's why i think it's so important to have both in the household but you just i didn't even think about what your experience and not just yours millions and millions of people's experiences having a parent there that just isn't there um well i guess the question
0: is like By having a parent there, having a male figure, you know, can that person do more damage than good, right? Can that person actually cause more trauma and pain and long-term suffering than good, even though they're there? And, of course, the answer to that is is yes. Um, You know, as far as my dad, you know, in his defense, I would argue that he just wasn't equipped with the tools to be a father, the psychological tools understanding, like he had the biology, understood how to protect and serve and work, you know, and, and, but he didn't have the caring and the, and the loving. And the, and that, na- that, that nature. Um, and he didn't have, didn't have ways to express love. And he didn't, he just didn't have the way, didn't have the, the articulation to, to be a, a guide and a, and a loving father and to, to actually help, you know, help me as a, as a, as a, as a young man and deal with deal with not just me, but my other, you know, two brothers and two sisters in the, in a large family with, you know, with pressure. So, but to answer your question, I think that, you know, to be honest, I would say that he generally did more harm than good. And I would say that, and if, if he heard that, you know, he would be very hurt by that. And I would understand. Um, but at the same time, you know, there was lots of things that he did, like his ideology about money, and and he, my dad was sometimes very dishonest, um, but you know, like kind of tricking people out of money sometimes, not individual people, but made more businesses. If he could, if he could, you know, steal, he would, he would steal. Um, you know, my dad treated my mom very badly, so I didn't, I learned nothing about how to treat a woman from my father. Uh, And I just learned kind of what not to do, Um, you know, and his personality was, there wasn't a lot there that I could take. But what I learned from my father was that in life, you need to be determined and disciplined. And if you work hard and you focus, you know, and you are tenacious, you will succeed. I learned how to be careful um, about some of the decisions that I made or about, you know, physically careful around and be very aware of my surroundings. Um, I learned how to be a little bit prudent with money. Uh, and I learned how to critically think about certain things from my dad. But it was more like he was able to see, he was quite intelligent. He was able to see, you know, how things worked and kind of how to position yourself in the, the best way to, to, be, to be advantageous. Um, and I learned ironically i learned from him to listen to everybody and learn from everybody right that was one thing i was very grateful of because my dad was always very arrogant and domineering and aggressive but he always like well he always had this mentality of you know you should listen to everybody and then make your own decision and i love that and i still you know i still adopt that in my in my philosophy so was there things that were positive yeah you know there was lots of things that were negative too, you know, it might've been better not to have a father in the house and be more loved by my mom. And my mom kind of made up for the, you know, Yeah, but
1: would she have had more time if he wasn't there? No. Like did your dad ever alleviate her duties?
0: Well, she, you know, she might've had to work more. She might never have been there. She might, never had had the, you know, my brothers and sisters, right? It just would have been totally different. So I guess it's, you know, not not very productive to, to speculate, but, you know.
1: No, but I really like what you said though, man. Like this is a very, a very intense uh, topic and it, it, and it needs to be looked at maybe deeper in the future, but this idea that, Well, he scarred father's scar, but it sounds like, you know, if they, if they're self-absorbed, if they're not like, you know, balancing their own femininity, because I think we all have that. Like, I think men and women both have femininity and masculinity, but obviously, uh, you know, there's the spectrum and we're at the far end of masculinity, but I'll tell you what I am, I love, you know, and I think that that's what your father was missing was like that, that desire to share love. I don't know. I don't know your father, but it sounds to me like you learned a lot from him. It sounds to me like, I know it was rough dude. And it was, it was terrible. Um, But he taught you some really important stuff. And what I like, I want to focus on is what you said, what not to do. You learned not how to interact with women, but how not to interact with women and in in certain ways. And I think that's powerful, dude. whether it was a good journey, I still think that you know you still get to analyze. Are there is your father like an archetypical male? Yes, he is. Those guys exist all over the world. So you understand them through a painful process, but you understand them more than I do. I, I, I don't know that. I didn't have to get exposed to that. And so in some ways you have knowledge and awareness that I I guess will never have. Um, um, but it sounds like you still gained in a really painful way, some very important qualities and understandings about the world around you, what not to be. I don't want to be that type of father. I don't want to do this. Uh, I also like that. Listen to everyone. Yeah. He sounds like a smart guy, but smarts doesn't mean like wise, right? You can be smart as hell, but unwise for sure. Uh, so i don't know i'm not gonna make a decision on whether it's better i'm not i don't even want to talk about that whether it's better to have the man or the uh there whether he's bad or not but i do agree with you completely that some men and this this upsets me some men cause more harm than good and that is messed up
0: you know what i mean Well, it's like what you do but- we started this conversation and i think there's strong points and i and i i would take your, I would take your side there in the sense of like, there's those valuable, those lessons were valuable. And I think w- would, um, you know, regardless of the pain and that, you know, obviously it wasn't, you know, a Nazi concentration camp, you know, it wasn't, you know, there is, there's always going to be trauma that parents give their children. And I think, as I said, my dad just didn't have the tools to, to really love and cherish his kids. I think he wanted to, it just didn't, he wasn't aware. So a lot of that, is that even his fault? Right so uh, you know I've really forgiven him man for the for the pain and suffering that he caused but you know there's definitely the not the not being something the 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 the, the reacting the direct opposite way has definitely shaped my identity in ways that I think is very positive because I try not to lose my temper and get angry you know be violent or aggressive you know not to say my dad was really violent but yeah tr- do you know treat women in a way that I think my mom would would have would have appreciated to be treated, right? Those things have definitely stayed with me. Um, you made another point though. You were talking about, um, you were talking about. What was the last thing that you mentioned? You were talking about. Oh, it's it slipped my mind.
1: I was just saying, like, that, well, I'm not sure, but uh, that whether it's it's more de- like destructive to have a withdrawn parent. That just doesn't behave well versus no parent at all. Um, I think that was one of the things I talked about, um, and not understanding from your perspective what it was like to have, um, you know, that type of situation. But that there were benefits. You, you, oh, the archetypes, right? The archetypes, males, like you understand that these men exist, and I think that you also have grown more compassion because you saw what your mother went through and she toughed it out. She toughed it out. And it taught you a lot about women, you know, they need, I mean, that's not fair, right? What happened is not fair. And you have this powerful belief now that you want to make sure you treat women correctly. And I think that's awesome, dude. I think that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, I'll be honest, dude. I I think that, I slip. I drop the ball a lot on that. Like I think that the way I talk sometimes uh, is it's condescending, you know. And I think that I it's hard for me to hold my tongue sometimes. And this is this is wrong. I wish I would have learned something like that. And I'm still fighting to to, to improve on that. Uh, But I find it like, I think if I had a dad to tell me to shut the fuck up all the time, (laughs) I would have been more restrained, you know, with my words and, uh, but man, it's very complicated. Yeah. I don't think I refreshed your memory. Um,
0: There was something else there, but that's, that's, that's okay. You made it another good connection, but you know, it's, it's kind of like, well, you know, one thing that comes to mind, ah, I was, I was going to connect it to this is you, you got to break the cycle right? Is that you got to, you got to break the cycle and it's our responsibility to do better. And I think,
1: yeah. yeah. And I wanted to ask you, actually, I was thinking about this earlier and I forgot to write it down, but what was your dad's and your, his father's relationship like, and do you think that played a role in the way his behavior?
0: Well, I think my dad, because he was an immigrant and he left you know, his little country in in Europe, Malta, when he was 18 years old, you know, he had a great relationship with his parents, my parents in, in Europe, my grandparents in Europe, were very loving people, um, you know, very European. But I think when you're an immigrant, it's just a struggle to survive. And it's just you need to be determined and, and fight. And, you know, there's racism, there's, you know, sh- the strata, there's, um, you know, there's the fear of not having enough, there's, the pressure of raising a family i think all of those things man were just a bit too much right and i think that you know he became that person because he was just trying to survive and, and do the best that he could but and didn't understand that there was other things to nurture so you know I, I really feel for him in that way because you know i'm an immigrant to another country as well but you know, having a very different type of experience but this is the thing man is that that again linking it back to that toxic masculinity you got to be very, very careful about how you can use your masculinity to empower others, and how it can be used as a way of damaging other people, especially your own children, you know, and that's expectations and being too harsh and being too critical and controlling, trying to control everything and controlling your wife. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it can be easy to slip into that. But, you know, at the same time, too, if, if you're in a loving relationship and you're reflective, you know, like obviously using the word you generally, then, you know, you just, you just do the best that you can. Like I, I have moments that I said to my wife, I said, when you meet my dad, there's going to be some connections. You're going to see that maybe you don't like, right. And there's going to be some things that you go, ah, I know where you get that for. I know why you complain about money. I know why, you know, you can, you stress about this type of stuff because it does soak into you, right? And it, it does, you know, it, it definitely does imprint you with that. So, you know, you just got to be, I think as a young man, you have to realize that if you haven't got a great mentor, get one, right? That's that's the first trick, I think, is just get one, learn, grow as fast as you can, because that will help you. And I think, you know, if, you, if you're a man at any age, I think that you have to be very aware of, am I using my masculinity in a way that's really empowering people around me, or am I, sometimes, you know, hindering myself and others, you know, and how can I do this better? Right. And that's just part of being human and growing because, you know, we're all, we're experiencing that to some level and, you know, you are too, and I am as well. And, and as we, you know, move forward through life, it's, you know, life and humanity and the human condition is not an exact science. It's a, it's an art form, man. It's, but every opportunity, every moment, every interaction every moment is an opportunity to choose to express your masculinity in a way that can be positive. So I think we got to remember that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And that's what you said that is so important is the, the, the role of our responsibility over our own masculinity. The. The only reason why I feel like, or the main reason why there are these struggles against masculinity is because it has been damaging. It has hurt a lot of people, especially through the wave of immigration that built America and Australia and Europe, you know, all this disconnection. Uh, you know, there's so much going on, but I think that it is, it is our responsibility to, to show it as a, a as a beacon of hope rather than an oppressive... Uh, like a negative quality that we should just eradicate from earth we should just become one sex you know and and not that not have a masculinity and I think that that's so vital and I think that comes from our own inner masculinity that that concept of constantly refining our masculinity and make sure we're using it to empower others rather than to destroy uh, others well-beings whether it's business or families or like you know, and I, I think that's so important that you said that. I, and I, something I want to take with me from this uh, conversation uh, is mentorship, right? Um, um, men working together to improve ourselves. You know, and I think that's the bottom line. I mean, this this whole all these movements happening are a response to something, and maybe to some extent it's going too far like the shaming is going too far but like at the same time man like from the sounds of it and yours your your story isn't as bad as it gets I mean there's some really bad stories of masculine male like physically abusing the women uh and even the girls right uh and and beating the sons and just cheating and drinking and gambling all the money away and losing the house. I mean, there are some really bad stories out there, but especially using that power that we have to inflict pain on others rather than to empower them and then to improve their lives. And I think that's the key. And I think that's something that we, like you said, model examples, right? Model good masculinity. Let's, let's, let's show how masculinity can benefit a family, the community um, with, with a heart of gold. You know what I'm saying? So that we, we, we don't let our masculinity dominate um, all of our behaviors. I mean, we gotta put into check. And I said earlier that we all have femininity within us. Even the most masculine of men usually have a drop of it in them. I know I have a pretty big chunk in me, you know, and because uh, I'm very sensitive to people's needs and emotions, and I'm very, I would, w- no offense to you, but I'm nothing like your dad. Like I'm very involved with my son, and I'm very concerned about letting him make choices, but talking with him, I, I don't spank him, nothing like that, and I think that I, I do nurture my wife a lot. However, I do. I need to continue to work on it. Like you said, like, how do we improve this um, or not how, just keep striving to, 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 to harvest the best parts of masculinity and to weed out or contain the, the, the more negative sides of it. So yeah, I think mentorship is a huge thing. I had a, a professor that once told me, uh, he, was, he was a PhD anthropologist and the, um, I forget his name right now doesn't matter but uh um taft mark taft uh he was a great professor of anthropology and social psychology and he told us like the, i don't know if it, it was the first week of school is that find a mentor that was his thing is go find a mentor you need a mentor boys need mentors they need other men that they can talk with and share their embarrassing stories with right you know like Men need to let out these ideas and then also be confirmed that other people might share those ideas, too, you know, and if not. So anyways, very important, like you said, find a mentor. Um, I've heard that, you know, throughout. Um, And that's just like the male bond. And I think if we have discussions like you and I did today we both want to be better men, right? We know there's a problem and it's in the ether, it's out there, there's a war against masculinity and it's not all bad, there's a good reason for it. It is a reaction to a long history of abuse and that shit shouldn't happen, man. And I think it's your, my, it's our job, to preserve masculinity for all of its greatness, because it is great. It is a powerful, powerful thing. And we do have the ability to improve the lives of others. And I believe that's a fact, but we have to be like, I need to be aware of the negative drawbacks to masculinity in general, right? Controlling whatever, trying to own, try to be the boss of the house yeah and and
0: as we said it's like your responsibility like i'm I'm, you know it's your responsibility to do better and break the chain and be aware right and i think that fits really well into you, you know men needing a mentor and men having as you said conversations like to be able to talk about real issues challenges um conflicts gain support deal with um pain catharsis all of that stuff's very important. And it's, it's not always something that it's, it's, it's considered to be valuable or people don't know how to deal with it. Or they just, you know, we have a drinking culture in, in a lot of Western society where it's just, even in Latin America, it's just drink, don't talk about your problems. Uh, and, you know, and keep it, keep it nice and light, keep it superficial, you know, but, you know, if you haven't, if you, as an older man, you know, maybe you're not after a mentor, but you should have people other men to help you know you tap into their masculinity to help you right and to you to help them i tell you a funny story you know that fits into this you know i've got a friend uh, a good friend of mine and he talks about his experiences with his dad and he says bro my dad gave me the shittest advice everything that he said was Fucking ridiculous. And everything that I implemented that he did was just stupid. <laughs> and I know him really well. And I know his dad. And his dad is, he's a pretty funny guy, but he's just, he's got a different perspective, you know, on life. And he's, he's, a, he's a bit extroverted. He's a bit of a gambler. and <laughs> I remember, and it just goes to show, man, like, you know, when you're a young man, you're very impressionable. And um I remember he said to me, he's like, Steve, you know, if you want to be happy in life, you got to, rev- you got to avoid. Oh, responsibility. That's that's the less responsibility you you have, the easier, the better your life would be. I was like, "Fuck yeah, that sounds like a great idea." I'm gonna just ignore. I'm just gonna avoid responsibility. That is the worst fucking advice ever, right? Because responsibility is a beautiful thing when you accept it, right? And you want it, but it's a, it's a it's a tyranny and slavery when it's been you know thrown on you and forced upon you. Right. But he was just projecting his shit onto me. Right. And, um, he, he didn't really realize that I would remember that for, you know, for literally probably, um, 22 years afterwards, you know, having that conversation in the car, but my mate is famous for saying that his dad gives shit advice, but that's all well and good. But when you're saying it to young impressionable men, that remember it and might even follow it and it might t- it might end up regretting it later on because it's freaking silly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty hilarious, though.
0: Yeah, like you know, and good, I still remember the laugh, stuff that he man. said, and I still remember my mate talks about. It. He's like, "Bro, my dad gives gives the worst advice." You know, it's just. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> when I was young, bro, I was I was looking for mentorship. I was starving for it. I was, I was looking for it everywhere, you know, and I, I just couldn't find it. You know, I was just looking for men that would guide me like, how do I deal with this world? Right. You know, it's, it was just programmed in me and I had to really fight to, I had to read books, man. I read a lot of books because in my part of the, you know, the, where I grew up in the, in this very small country ish type towns so that there wasn't a lot of people that were insightful and, and were able to inspire me or share information They were just like, they just didn't know what to say, you know? But
1: yeah. Did you find yourself like, like, so without void of a mentor or a figure, like a masculine figure, a mentor, uh, did you find yourself like trying to like cling with your friends? Right. I feel like if we don't have the mentor, we start, we need one. I think it's a natural state, right? Like it's, how our brains have developed and as uh, a means of I survival
0: that,
1: yeah it's our means for survival so we need this mentorship and when it doesn't exist what happens we've tried to find it within our own circle of friends and you got to remember this is like 1 to 2 3 gener or not generations years of difference so like so the models become well no better than you and myself as teenagers those teenage boys become our mentors because we can't find one and that's where a lot of problems come in, right? It's like lack of responsibility. I mean, unless you have like really like sound friends, right? And, but but the, again, like say you have a really smart friend with super disciplined, just a good guy. And he starts telling you what to do. You're going to say, well, he doesn't have much more experience than me. He's my age. You know what I mean? So you Why should I respect them? Yeah. Why should I respect them? Like, if, he, if he's trying to call me out, whereas if it's an older person saying, hey, you know, well, hey, and you say, well, why should I do that? And they say, trust me, I have 20 years more experience. Maybe, you know, like that understanding, okay, this person's been through the war. They've, you know, fought for the country, whatever, whatever. Yeah. They don't have to go to war. They've, they've built a home that, you know what I mean? They become successful in their craft, whatever it is. Maybe it's a carpenter. Maybe you're, you know, you got a tinker, is your mentor teaches you how to fiddle with things and fix things. You know, it doesn't matter. It's that discipline. But they just,
0: they have more experience and they know more. And it's very obvious. Young men are- probably
1: know how to convey the information a little bit better than another teen, right?
0: Young men are very impressed by knowledgeable older men right? Because they, they realize that they've, they've got something they haven't got. I do think it's connected to our survival and our identity, if, you know, back in the tribe. But to answer your question, bro, yeah, man, you're spot on. My friends were like everything. And, you know, I, I love my friends. They became more to me, like they became my family. And I was lucky that they were good people and they were good kids. Um, but they didn't have the tools either to help me because they were still figuring it out themselves as well. So it's kind of like the blind leading the blind and you don't want yes. that right cuz they exactly. you know and your friends that then maybe you start to try to help each other and it's just like well yeah why should i listen to you know you you've got probably less of an idea of of than what i have um, but you just you're just trying to fill the void man and you just you know you, you i think you're vacant you know there's something missing inside until you can really define it until you can really you know, create it for yourself, which is, I think your own identity and your own purpose because masculinity gives you, and I think it should give you a strong sense of identity and a strong sense of purpose. I said to someone today, "All life is pretty easy as a man. All you need to do is figure out who you are, what you stand for and how you want to contribute to this world, um, what your purpose is, and then you can just go and do it. And then, you know, when you are able to do that, You know, and you give to the world and you add value, the woman, you know, that in your life that you will attract, that will happen basically organically because you will find a woman that appreciates who you are. Right. And then she will compliment you because you're already on this path and you can compliment her. But I I do believe it's that simple. You know, figure out who you are, who you want to be, figure out how you want to add value to this world, figure out what your purpose is and what gives you meaning, and then just and then work at it and work and give it everything and, and love it. Right. And then you, you will grow and you will grow and you will develop and you'll be certain and you'll be confident and you will, you know, you will move mountains, man. I think it's, it's really that simple.
1: Yeah. I love that, man. That's great advice. And uh, it's very true. And it is very simple. Right. But I mean, then again, symphonies are built off simple you know melodic lines like a theme one theme and it just branches out but yes if you focus on those five six different uh things you mentioned uh you'll be successful in life and uh i would just say the last thing is is um well i'm going to ask you to read this book raising Cain. uh I'm gonna ask you to go out and find it. Let me let you see the cover real quick. Um, but this is the last thing I'm gonna say about this um, is that, so is that uh, masculinity? Yes, our discussion today was about the importance of masculinity um, and um, it, how it has the ability to really shape our world and families and children for the better. But also that femininity is also extremely important. And and I I would go as far to say that men need to find a way to embrace their own femininity as well. Now, I mean, don't get rid of your masculinity. That's yours and that's who you are. But this book, uh, Raising Cain, um, is about, uh, it's a a really good book. And I want you to read that, Stephen, and then maybe we could do a podcast on it. But it's about over-discipline lack of emotion from a father so this book is a call to fathers to let their boys embrace their emotions let them talk about their emotions because if they don't they bottle it up right and if we if we're overly disciplined and harsh you were saying something they can mess us up psychologically by saying being overly critical right like it can create um you know, what do you call that? Like us lower self-esteem, right? And this book is saying masculinity is important. Boys are important. Boys will be boys. But fathers, let them be in touch with their femininity as well. And I don't think he uses the term femininity. He just says that a lot of violence destruction is on boys who never get to share. They just bottle it in because their father's told them that you're weak if you think about that. You're weak if you cry. You're weak if you feel, you know? Uh, and that's just devastating because if the men aren't healthy in a society, it will crumble. And that that is for sure. Like if there is a, a plague of unrestrained masculinity, it will be chaos. And so that's it. That's all I'm going to say is that I love this discussion, man. I feel like it's such an important topic and there's so much more we can get into it. We just scratched the surface. But ultimately, uh, I think our message is that we want masculinity to be accepted, embraced and respected in society, but for overyielding masculinity to be put into check and refined and cleansed of the, the negative attributes to it.
0: Yeah, that's that's well said, and and maybe coupled with a little bit of education, awareness, good conversations that you know and fathers, membership. yeah, will be able to, you know, nurture their children, they you know their children, and let them express their ideas and emotions, and and not traumatize them, right? Because you know, as humans, we are extremely sophisticated, complex, you know, beings, and um, parents obviously love their children; they don't want to mess them up, but. Sometimes, you know, they sometimes they do what they think is best, but it's not best, you know, so hopefully, you know, we, we start breaking these chains and then, you know, breaking the, the cycle and then hopefully, you know, what I would like to see, it becomes very organic for the next generation. I really hope that's what happens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Um, yeah, man. So that's, you know, I guess...
0: Let's wrap this baby up. Yeah, man. Thanks for the chat, (laughs) brother. That was, that was great. I enjoyed it. Thanks for the chat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, uh, meeting up with me and having this important discussion.
0: My pleasure as yours.